0: and a big black Daimler come driving up, and who got out of the car, Sean Fallon, wow. and said to me, where does Danny Craney live? <laughs> and I said, that house there, thanks, son. The ball never hit the net, it just bobbled <laughs> over a line. But I was away at the jungle before it even hit, went over a line. I remember telling my friends about these guys, James Forrest and Callum McGregor. I knew way back that they I told Tommy, he wasn't sure about James, he's looking a wee bit. I said, he'll play for your first team. Tommy says, I hope you're right.
1: Said, this is the headline for this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Danny Craney made James Forrest. Oh, didn't make him. Didn't he make him? <laughs> 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 Coming up on the official Celtic FC podcast, hear the unmissable stories from former Celtic title winner and youth academy coach Danny Craney as he also lifts the lid on what it was like to coach James Forrest and Cal McGregor at youth level. And we also preview the weekend's action away to Ross County.
2: This is the official Celtic FC podcast.
1: Yes, hi everyone, welcome along to the official Celtic FC podcast, the only podcast out there for exclusive content from inside the Celtic changing room. I'm Ryan Marr, and today we've got a very special guest alongside us. First of all though, I'll introduce Paul Cuddy, our Celtic View editor. Paul, I'm saying that as if you're not a very special guest, but um, we do have someone else alongside us. Um, Paul, how, how are you? Yeah, well, I'll let that go. That's slight slight insult. <laughs> um very
2: good um obviously we're talking after the sitmon game which was uh was a tough game i think the manager had predicted it was going to be pretty tough given that sitmon have started well but we got
1: the win that I think we deserved in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Well, we're going to review the St Mirren game. We're going to look ahead to the Ross County game this Saturday up in Dingwall. And we're also going to look back on the career of our guest, which we'll introduce very, very shortly. Um, just before that, just want to remind everybody to, to like and subscribe and review the podcast wherever you you do get your your podcast. Uh, the more you do that, the more that we can grow the podcast. If we got a guest, we can get. So it'd be great um, if you could do that. Uh, also, uh, just to confirm uh, for those that have been listening over the last week or so, where we had a little prize for the EAFC 24 competition, where we had an Xbox and a PS5 game to give away and I am delighted to confirm we have two winners for it. So we have Lynn Shearsmith for the Xbox game and David Dodd for the PS5 game as well. So we'll get in touch with both of you for that. Congratulations to you and there'll be plenty more competitions from now to the end of the season. So make sure you're listening to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of those. Right, I think it's time to introduce... Our guests because we have a league title winner with Celtic alongside us, Paul, for this one. A man who was integral to that title win in nineteen eighty two. I think he scored seven goals in fourteen games in the run up to that title win If I'm correct, you're you're more than happy to, to no, clarify I'm that. Th-
0: but I think it would maybe be seven and thirteen,
1: Ryan, but seven and thirteen, right. Okay You're no far off the mark. Better goal ratio with that one. But yeah, as you heard there, we've got none other than Danny Craney alongside us. Danny, how are we? Great, really delighted to be invited in the guys, so I'm uh, looking forward to it, yeah. Very good, yeah, we're going to have a, a good chance to go back to your your Celtic career, but yeah Danny, why don't you kind of introduce yourself again for, for the fans and let everyone know what, what are you, you up to these days, because it's been a been a while since your playing days here at Celtic Park.
0: Yes, yeah, so uh, for the last 20, 21 years I've been working in residential care, looking after kids who have not been fortunate in life with. Uh, their upbringing. So we look after these kids 24-7. Uh, it can be a rewarding job, but it can be also very difficult as well. Yeah. Uh But 22 years, so I'm still there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, a long time since the, the playing career. I mean, you must have some very, very fond memories when you come back to Celtic Park.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sitting last night listening to Paul and Grant and. You know, that, when that goal was in the 84th minute, I'm up off my street with my son and <laughs> we're jumping about. So very much a Celtic supporter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Paul, um, memories of the, the kind of the early 1980s with, with Danny and the team must be some good ones.
2: Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, it's a bit like, you know, you were mentioning for me doing the commentary with, with somebody like Peter Grant and then, you know, sitting here with you because that would have been, that's some of my earliest memories of like starting to go to the games myself. Yeah when The likes so of when you broke through, and, and you know, when, when Peter broke through at the team in the early 80s. And I mean, we'd, I think, when you look through that team as well, I mean, you played with some of the, the best players I've ever, ever played, in my opinion. Paul I played
0: with the best that ever played with Celtic, I mean, Dan, Danny McGrane
2: yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, I know I've had a conversation with you before, and I remember you telling me yep. that. Either from the way that Danny gave you the ball, you kind of knew which way. He, he didn't
0: pass the ball to you; he passed it for you. You yeah. knew it, you, if he mm-hmm. played it left side, you had to lay it back because there was a defender tightening you. If he played it on your right side, I always played right wing when I when I got into the team. You knew you were you up your body and go and attack the defender.
2: Yeah, honestly, when you told me that, and it's a few years ago when we did we did an interview, that stuck with me. And that That's... I mean, I, I I feel I'm lucky, you know. Obviously, Ryan's slightly younger than you and I. <laughs> I feel I'm lucky to have seen Danny McGrain playing. But you're even luckier because you played a And him. It, it, It's
0: funny because I kept going on, but my son, he's 16 now, and him and his pals do a World 11, they put in Cafu, and he still puts in Danny McGrain because I've let him see the, the videos of Danny. Danny dictated the pace of the game, guys, from right back. As a right back, he
1: dictated how Celtic played. Incredible it is incredible I, I think I could just sit and listen to, to you two guys talking about the those 1980s team. I don't think I actually really need to be here for this but as you said
0: Paul you get through the team as well Tommy God rest him wee Murdo
2: Charlie Nick you know what I mean incredible players yeah Agroy like at the back exactly yeah it was uh, great I mean and you know Ryan kind of touched on the fact that we won the league that year and you came in at a really vital time and scored a lot yeah. of really important goals as well for I this. was
0: fortunate Charlie broke his leg Frank McGarvey broke his leg and David Proven got quite a serious injury. So I think uh, Big Billy, God rest him, was forced to promote from within. Unfortunately, fortunately, I, I got my wee chance. Yeah. Loved it.
1: Well, I think we're going to go through all those memories in a bit more detail later on. But guys, why don't we start off... With Wednesday night um, against St Mirren, a 2-1 victory and what we've already described, Paul, you described yourself. It was always going to be a tough game against the St Mirren team, which have been in really, really good form this season. They came into the match having only was- lost one of their opening nine games to the season. They made it difficult for us on Wednesday, but we've still got that edge to us. that We just keep going until the end and all comes up with a really, really important goal. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody
2: was delighted for him. I mean, I think it's always interesting, you know, when you look at the opposition and they they need their goalkeeper to play really well. And I thought he did a really great game, actually. He made some really good saves and that keeps them in the game. And there's no doubt that they're really well organised and, and that, you know, they'll, be, they'll finish in the top six this season. But it was just one of those nights, and again, the manager touched on it after the game, that you just, you have to keep going and maybe have to grind the results. And that's when he's looking for the, the players to come off the bench. But Yang, when he came on, looked really lively. Uh, Odin Holmes sets up the winner. And I think everybody's just delighted for for O. He just, I mean, he smashed that ball into the roof yeah. of the net, And you could see his celebration, how much he enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Danny, from yourself watching on as a Celtic fan nowadays, what have you made of the start to this season and this group under Brendan Rodgers?
0: Well, it was always going to be difficult. I think the way Ange played, uh, it was always, go- always going to be difficult to have her come in. But for me personally, the Celtic board got the right man. You know, I think they're guaranteed success with Brendan. It's a similar style of play, probably a bit more possession based than Ange. Ange got it forward quick. But no, I think you can see what's happening there. And, and, and it, last night play with two of your most influential players out, Hatate and CCV. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? And for still to come away with a victory. Uh, and Paul spoke about those. He's, it was a controlled finish, wasn't it? Just a blast in the, into the net. You know, the build up was good as well. Very important three points.
1: Yeah, and that rounds off, you know, you can't really call it the first quarter of the season because there's 38 games and we've now played 11, but we've now played every team once so far and we're going to play Ross County this Saturday and that's a repeat of the opening game of the season. So we've went through every team already. We're still undefeated. It's nine victories and two draws and of those two draws, they were were both nil-nils as well. So teams aren't scoring that often against us. So Danny, are you quite... Pleased as a Celtic fan at this moment in time with the start of the season. Yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, what we're f- is it five points clear? Uh, we're we're definitely playing the best football in the league. Uh, St Myrna, as you said was that was a, that was a, a test last night and yeah. to go a goal down. As I said, without those players in the team, and to bring the subs on uh, to make an impact. Uh, I think things are looking good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, Paul. It's about in instances like that on Wednesday night. Against a dogged St Mirren team that caused their own threats as well up the other end of the park, it's just important to get the three points. And you know we were speaking before this that even in the last couple of seasons, the success that we've had, we've still had quite a few of those occasions where we've had to get a one nil or a two one or a three two at home. Yeah, I mean as you know, as Danny says, there's thirty eight games, so
2: you're not going to win five, six, seven nil every single game. And these are the games where at the time they're important, but then. Over, you know, come the end of the season hopefully we finish top of the table these are the games that are maybe you don't remember they're not mm. the highlights although maybe the, you know O's goal might be a particular highlight but you have to win these games and it was so important and I, I suppose the only other highlight for me and again we <laughs> we spoke about this before we started recording I think we all agreed that uh, George Cadet's half-time karaoke was uh, pretty special
1: I think, should we start a petition to get it back more often or is it just a good that it's a one-time thing, what, what do we think?
2: Well, I think it was, it's was funny because it, it he, he came on and he, he obviously started, he said, do you remember my song? And then he leads the fans in one vers- version of it. Probably wasn't happy that not enough people joined in, so he sang it again. <laughs> and then the whole stadium joined in and
1: it was brilliant, actually. It was really funny. I thought he was great. Uh, what a showman, because uh, we were saying as well, like, he cut it off at a good time as well i think if he went for the third time it might have been a bit too Definitely much not. but most people probably would have stopped after the first one but he he had uh, he had the composure to to sense the crowd and thought, you know what we need we need to keep going here i was it was good viewing it certainly helped to warm up what was a cold night anyway um, danny looking ahead to this saturday traveling up to Dingwall, uh, half 12 kickoff against Ross County. It's always probably one of those fixtures that because it is the furthest away and Ross County over recent years have been a side that when you travel up there have never been the easiest of games. So there's maybe always a little bit of trepidation going into it. However, we're in really good form at this moment in time. So are you confident of Celtic going up there and getting all three points?
0: I think what we've got in my favour, Ryan, is uh, their manager, ex-Celtic player, Malcolm Mackay. Uh he likes to play attacking football, and I think their first game here, they could have be been 2 three nothing up before Celtic.
1: That's true, yeah.
0: Put them to bed. It was really, really uh, dodgy stuff in the first 15-20 minutes. So I think that'll play into our favour. I don't think Malky will defend. He's no daft. He'll know what to get another 4 5 nothing doing. But I think Malky will come out and play, try and score a goal. I think that'll play into air strengths, leave spaces. Uh, and I'm confident we can come away with the three points.
1: Yeah, well, let's set the scene, Paul, for this match, because I've got some... Now, Matt's not here for this one. I've got some stats for, for Ross County, just to to fill in his boots. Um, so, at the moment, they are ninth in the table. Um, they've got two wins, four draws from their opening uh, matches so far this season. Most recently, they had a two-each draw with Hibs on Tuesday night. They had two late goals at Easter Road to come back from 2-0 down. They are unbeaten in the last three matches. They've got three draws in those games. And Danny, quite rightly, as you said, this is a repeat of the, the opening game of the season, which was a 4-2 victory for Celtic at Celtic Park. But yeah, Ross County did cause us some problems in that match. Um, what do you think, Paul, going up to, to this one against Ross County with, with all that in mind? Well,
2: I think it shows you you Know the league table out with the top two. I mean, I think they're only four points off fourth, mm. so you know, a couple of decent results, and suddenly you find yourself and you know, way up the table. I, I I agree with Danny, I think, especially at home, I think it's slightly different when a team comes here and they have a different maybe mindset. I think at home they will come and they'll have a goal. And you know, there's recent games where you know, the one that always springs to mind is that the last gasp, Anthony Ralston header but in about yeah. the 97th minute, I think it was. So they're quite dogged in all the times that we've played them and there's even been games where I've seen us going ahead and, and they, they, they peg us back. So I think, you know, the manager and the players that have played up there know exactly what to expect and, you know, you point out they've drawn their last three games so they hang in. You know, they they you know the, the Hibs game is a perfect example. that At 2-0 you're thinking, well, that's three points for, for Hibs but they, they hung in and, you know, they get a point. So they, they'll go into the game confident but, you, you know, you're...
1: I think you're just always expecting us to win. Mm. Danny, we saw a couple of changes from the Celtics starting 11 for the match against St Mirren on Wednesday. Then some of the players came off the bench, as you'd mentioned earlier, Paul, Odenholm, O, Yang, all look bright. O, of course, gets a goal. Uh, home sets up the, the, the winner for O also. So would you expect maybe a couple of those guys to potentially feature? Would you like to see a couple of, of other changes to the squad?
0: I think the manager's already shown he's going to rotate. I honestly, I don't know what's why CCV wasn't playing last night. I hope it's not. I
1: think a, he said. I think he said before the match it was just he was getting rested. Getting rested. That's, games, well, that's so.
0: that's fair enough. You know, uh, but aye, the manager gave a few of them a chance last night. I think Yang's going to be a great player for Celtic. The way Celtic play, uh, as Paul was saying yesterday, he looked a bit more confident. He's cutting in his right foot and he's had a couple of good efforts in goal. Uh I think once he matures a wee bit, gets more confident, uh he'll be an out the side, which won't do him any harm. But I think Yang's going to be a, a, a important player for Celtic.
2: I was wondering as well, actually, see when you're watching Celtic and have done over the years, do you take particular interest in the guys that are playing it as the wingers given, you know, your mm. own position? I was I was talking to last
0: night with my son about it. Uh, but I always look at the wingers. The wingers and the strikers—it's it's terrible. When I worked here as, with William McStay as an assistant with the youth team. William would say to me, "What are you always looking up the part for?" I said, "We've got a back four as well." I said, "You, t- you take care of them. Well, I'll do the good stuff." <laughs> uh, so I am always looking at wingers and yeah. guys that can produce something. I mean, guy played last night for me, James Forrest. I had James when he was twelve, and okay, he's getting on a wee bit now. But I remember the side, the times when Celtic James Forrest was out injured. And we passed across and passed across. and passed. There was nobody to go, 1v1, I'm going to go past you. And James Forrest is another one. How many times did James go by someone or score an important goal in the last couple of minutes? So again, wide players for me. Yeah. So important.
1: Right, so that's interesting. So talk us through your memories of James Forrest then as a young player. It was
0: just, uh, Tommy brought me back uh, to work with the youths, uh, with William McStay. And obviously asked me to go down the levels and help out. I Ended up, I had James for a couple of years. I had the best ever, in my p- opinion. I had Cal McGregor when he was 10, right? He was 15. Coach's dream, uh, Dylan McGeoch, uh, Marcus Fraser, who played for St. Mirren last night, yeah. and back with Wally, Stephen Craney, Mark Burchill, Jamie Smith, all important players for Celtic, yeah, won yeah. trophies. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah.
1: And particularly those two guys, James Forrest and Callum McGregor, I think they're really the, the poster boys for everything that we do at this club in terms of the, the youth academy, their journeys, what Definitely. achieved.
0: You, you know, been with, they were with the club since they were 10. You know, we've paid 4 and £5 million for people. These guys have come right through and they know what the club's all about. And you can see that when they play. Yeah. Callum's just, he was born to be a Celtic captain.
2: Yeah. Because I always think that, you know, like in years to come, when the two of them have eventually hung up their boots. I just have um, envisaged having conversations with younger fans and saying, yeah, I I saw Callum McGregor play. I saw James Forrest playing them. Because then they'll look at the stats and,
1: you know, James Forrest has scored over 100 goals. And the the trophies have won as well.
2: Oh, you
0: know, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, they've come into this team and they've not just been part of a team that have won so much, they've been integral to it Yeah, they've brought the other players along with them. Come and join the journey, you know. I suppose the big question then, Danny, is that when you got your your eyes on these players at, at 10 years old, like Callum and James, did you have a sense in those two guys in particular that they would go on to make it?
0: Definitely. And Tommy would also, would always come to a couple of games, you know, and he would say, it was myself and Owen Archdeacon, And he would say, whoever to look out for we would always say James, you know. Uh, Tommy's very impressed with him. And Cal- Callum was that good. Callum was meant to be playing with maybe the under-12s. And, Callum Tommy would say move Callum up move him up to the 13s or 14s test him and a coach's dream
1: yeah brilliant That's some some brilliant memories and I take it some good times for you as well when you you were working at the club back then
0: yeah and I remember telling my friends about these guys James Forrest and Callum McGregor when they were Waynes yeah and guys come and say I remember you told me about my, my sister she's seen James's first game She seen Callum's first game phoned me up that was the boys you were telling me about when I said hi <laughs>
2: How does that feel as well? Because again, we've spoke to other coaches and who are you know so important behind the scenes through all those different levels of the academy. But then when you see these these guys that you've seen just the potential and you've worked with them, and they make their first team debut, you know what that's like as a because you've done that as a player. But then as a coach, you have played just even a small part in that journey. There must be that must be a great feeling.
0: Very proud, Paul. But it's not just you. Maybe see a couple of players. You've coached get two or three games here and there. You're talking about guys who are now been at the club for many years, how many appearances between them, yeah. many trophies between them. You know, just very proud watching them play. Very proud.
1: Yeah, and even some of the other names you mentioned. I suppose part of the the academy is, you, you, of course, you want to build players for the first team. But we've been extremely successful at. If those players don't make it in our first team, those players like Marcus Fraser you talked about, who played for St Mirren and Wednesday, yeah, who well, have had good careers, good careers in, in Scotland and elsewhere as well, so yeah. it must be a lot of pride, as Paul was saying, and you know the part that you've played in a lot of these players' journeys.
0: Yes, definitely. It was just watching them, you know, and watching them develop. And I knew way back that they. I told Tommy he wasn't sure about James he's looking a wee bit. I said he'll play for your first team. Tommy says I hope you're right.
1: That's it. That's the headline for this podcast. (laughs) Is it? Danny Craney made James Forrest. Oh, didn't he make him? (laughs) Didn't he make him? This is the reason why James Forrest has made it. That's it. We're getting that in there. Um, That's the journalist just twisting your words (laughs) down. I know. Don't don't give me anything. Um, Well, guys, just to round off this kind of segment then on Rose County. why don't we go for some some score predictions for, for Saturday, Jordan? Well, well, first of all, I oh, I, okay. I hadn't
2: realised, it was only when I was just kind of doing a wee check beforehand, I hadn't realised that you actually briefly played up for Ross County towards the tail end of your, your career. Four weeks, Four yeah. Weeks. How how did that come about? Uh,
0: I'd come back from Australia, uh, I'd signed for Airdrie, been to Kilmarnock, I'd been over to Ballymena and My career was come to an end, I was looking to get into the coaching side of it. And it was a chap. What was his name? Wilson. His son played as well. Barry.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah he yeah, was
0: a yeah. manager, and he phoned me and said, "Could I meet you? I'll come down and meet you in Glasgow." And basically said, "I'll give you a four-week contract, and let's see how it goes." It was good. I enjoyed it up there. The journeys was horrendous, right <laughs> enough. Were you but
1: driving from Glasgow? There
0: was about five years shared a wee minibus. Right. Uh, and we took. Shots each at driving, the other four would be on the, the booze and <laughs> the way back down the road. <laughs> it was at three and a half hours, you know what I mean? Oh, well, what else you going to do? <laughs> Got to
1: fill your time somehow. Um, so, was that the last club you, you played for then? Oh.
0: Uh, I then went to Bone S. Right, okay. With another ex-cell, John Sludden. Yep. God rest him. God rest him. Uh, John Sludden was the manager of Bone S and he pestered me and pestered me. I said, Sluddy, I'm not interested, I'm not interested. You told me much money. game gave me messages. can I say? <laughs> <laughs> because you've
1: been spending so much money on, on booze and the, the way up to Ross County, you needed some cash. Um, right, guys. Yeah, let's get some. Let's get some score predictions in for for Ross County. Daniel, I'll let you start off as our as our guest. Ross County. I'll
0: look to score in the well. Score three-one Celtic.
1: Okay, Paul. I'm going to go for two 0 Actually, I was going to go two 0 but I'll. I'll go something different just to just to be different uh i'll go for a i'll go for a 3-0 victory up in up in dingwall uh i think you're right though i think ross county will cause us some causes yeah. problems but i'm just going different there um also just to to mention as well there's some some more games for uh other our celtic sides this weekend as well the women's team returned to action after the international break paul they're away to Dundee United on Sunday, um, it's a chance for them to, to bounce back after the, the Derby defeat last time out. They've had a couple of weeks to mull over it with the the international break, but I'm sure they'll be coming out firing and ready to go. Yeah, I mean,
2: up until that game, they, they had an exceptional start to the season, and they would have been really disappointed, particularly given the fact that we took the lead in that game. I, I've no doubt they will win that game, and then we've got another big one at yeah, home Friday. the following Friday in the in the Sky Sports Cup, the quarter-final against Glasgow City. But, yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, they've they've been really impressive this season, France side, so I would expect a win.
1: Yeah, it's Sunday, half twelve kick-off away to Dundee United. And also on Saturday, the B team are in action. They're at home to Edinburgh University. And they're in the back of their own victory on Wednesday night, a 3-0 victory, um, where Rocco Vata scored a hat-trick as well. So a very, very timely victory for them, as Well, they're going to be leading up to a big European match away to Atletico Madrid, a bit like the first team. So um, if you're not going up to Dingwall, then you know get yourself down to the Excelsior and Erdry to watch the B team in action and they take on Edinburgh Uni. Right, let's move on to the life and career of Danny Craney, our guest here. Uh, as we mentioned at the start, a title winner was Celtic in 1982, an integral part of the team in the run-in to that 1982 um, title win. Um, but your your Celtic journey starts a bit earlier than that, Danny. You you came through the system here. Um, signed, I believe, in nineteen seventy nine. If my information is correct, as well. As we were walking through the the bowls of the stadium to come up to our little studio up here, you were kind of mentioning how things have changed, how some parts haven't changed too much as well. So, talk us through those early memories and what springs to mind of you and your Celtic career. Well. <sighs> I was ready to sign for Burnley. Ryan, uh, I'd been at
0: Burnley during the the school holidays and they really looked after me. And I was ready to sign for Burnley. And a phone call came through. uh, I don't know how it happened, saying, don't do a thing. Celtic are interested. So this is a true story and this shows you the way Celtic was as a club. (laughs) I was out in the street playing with my pals, 15, and a big black Daimler come driving up and who got out of the car, Sean Fallon, and said to me, where does Danny Craney live? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, That house there. Thanks, son. So we're away up. And next thing, my dad's at the window. You better come up here. So pleased to meet you, son, Sean. Sign there. S form for Celtic. So I'm signing away and think he's going to tell me about the club and that. He says, Thanks very much, Danny. He says, Away you go. Right, Dan, where's this greyhound I've heard so much about? <laughs> my dad raced the greyhounds. And him and my dad went, around the back to look at the greyhound. I'm back out with my pals. That's how I signed for Shelter.
2: Amazing. Because you think of all the players, it's amazing as well because Sean Fallon, I mean, so many great players over the years yeah. that he he just had an eye for
1: a player, but obviously like the Greyhounds
2: as well. Aye. Incre-
1: <laughs> incredible. But was there, was there a part of you at 15? Like, did you understand really what was going on? That Sean Fallon is here trying to sign you, or are you just a bit. Kind of wet behind the ears like probably most 15-year-olds are and kind of taking it all on your stride.
0: I wouldn't say taking on my stride, Ryan, but I know you've heard the people saying I went to the game since I was four. My dad took me to the games. I was a Sancero when we beat with Fineard. I used to go to Murton Park when it was St. Johnston. I went all over the country to watch Celtics. I knew what the club was about and what it meant to me. Uh, I always wanted to sign. Uh, but I loved it at Burnley. But as I said, as soon as Sean gave me the pen didn't even think about it I just signed
2: yeah well do you know back in the back in the day the Celtic View used to have a feature oh. and it was called Celtic, <laughs> Celtic boy. boy and what they would do is they would just like a young fan that was going to the game with their, their dad and they would just get a photograph and they'd say who's your favourite player and then the following week I think they would get you in and you get to meet your favourite player so at 7 years old a young Danny Craney was a Celtic boy and <laughs> your favourite player was George Conley
0: George Conley there's a story to that as well Uh but that took me all the games, but if the Celtic were playing away from home, say Aberdeen, Pataulia, I was only four or five, and we'd come into Celtic Park and the reserves would be playing out there, and you had the Quality Street gang, Macari, Douglish, McGrain, George Con- and George Conley for me, just strolled through matches. So that day I was Celtic boy, I come in and I say, they say there was two other wee guys, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnston, I said, George Conley, and the guy looked and said, but George Conley plays with the reserves and he's away, they're playing Falkirk away today. I said, but he's still my favourite player. So he said, "Well, Jimmy Johnson do? I said, <laughs> aye, ah, that'll be fine. So years later, Jimmy came along and done a wee coaching session. I, I don't need any coaches either, I was nutmeggers on it. But right away he went, who's Danny Craney? I was like, me, Jinky." he went, Josh Conley, better player than me. <laughs> <laughs> so right away, aye, me, Jinky. That's
1: brilliant. <laughs> amazing. Uh, so you then kind of, I mean, it must have been amazing actually to, to think you just you guys were talking about you know how fortunate you were to watch some amazing players in the 80s and things but you know f- for both of you guys really because to have you kind of your first team being that jockstein era sort, sort of maybe the tail end of it but the, the amazing players you guys must have watched when you were younger you mentioned you know being in the san siro in 1970 must have been so heartbreaking um going to that match but to see those and Seville
0: see another defeat against yeah, porto
1: yeah but what kind of memory stand out from going to to watch those matches and some of the players you got to see? Because it must have been such a privilege.
0: We always... My dad always took me to the Croix Celtic Supporters Club. And we parked... Remember the old railway ran past the jungle? Yeah, yeah. We parked over there and walked along the old railway past the jungle. We always went to the the Rangers end, apart from when we played Rangers. And my dad stood at the same barrier, I always down the front. Uh, a game that vividly sticks out in my mind. It's, it was just brought it back to me the other week. There, I've never been so scared at a game as the Atletico Madrid, Madrid game.
2: Yeah.
0: When Ruben Ayala sent off, we janky get kicked black and blue. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere, fear that night, and so much so, my dad came down, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, "You're okay." But that night was, oh, and he watched him playing the other night again. There, brought you know, about, it brought back memories.
1: Yeah. We, we were discussing that in the last couple of podcasts, weren't we, Paul? And you were saying that yourself that. You're actually amazed that the Celtic fans managed to stay restrained during that match?
2: Yeah, it's I mean I was only about seven at the time and that's the that's my first real vivid memory of a whole game because it was just I'd never seen anything and I don't think I've ever seen anything like it since Since, I know. It was it was And the crowd sure.
0: Paul, yeah. there's seventy odd thousand there, aren't there?
1: Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Seventy mm. odd thousand. Easy. Yeah. yeah. Um Danny, I mean, your playing career then, you mentioned how you signed for Celtic as superb the story was with Sean Fallon um, so when is it you made your debut so it Was in 1982 was it in that so,
0: season so yeah I, I, we were playing I was playing for the reserves we had a morning game up at uh, Lesser Hamden we were playing Queen's Park and we're 4-0 up at half time frosty ground and that but I'd played well I'd scored two and I had two assists uh, and we come in at half time and who's standing whispering Frank uh, Connor's ear Big Billy I thought why is he here Anyway, Frank said, right, Barry, you're doing well, just Danny, you come off. And I thought, come off? I think I'm doing really well. So, <laughs> it's a bit gutted, you know, into the showers, I come out and I'm drying myself, and the next thing, the boss comes in, big stern look in his face, how do you think you played? I thought, what do I say here, you know? <laughs> I thought, I'm oh, just going to be honest with him. I said, boss, I think i done well. He said, you, you did better than well. He says, you're on the bench against Partick Thistle Day, phone your parents. So... Charlie Nicholas's dad come down, picked us up at Lesser Hamden, went up to... Charlie lived in the barracks in Maryhill. I got beans and toast, a shower, (laughs) and I was on the bench for the first team. We were 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go, and I thought, I'll never get on here. Myself and Mick Connery on the bench. Both of us come on, we drew two each, and I had a last gasp. It was a cross. People say it was a shot, it wasn't my right foot. (laughs) And Ruffy tipped it over a bar. That that was my first game for Celtic. I came on as a sub, 2-2.
2: Yeah, did you manage to find a phone to phone home and tell I you, tell the family? One <laughs> anyone. Aye, exactly. Aye. <laughs> Twenty friends. Aye,
1: aye. It's it's amazing because you think nowadays, just with the whole the advancement of sports science and things like that, that you probably wouldn't have many instances now where someone's getting pulled from the reserve team on the morning and being put into the first team later yep. on the afternoon. Yep.
0: But that's what they've done with young players, you know. You'd be training up at Barrafield. the first team would train up one end. The reserves down the other end. Every now and then, big would shout to Frank Conner. Frank, send Nicholas up. Frank, send Young McStay up. Just to train with them."
1: Do You know, it'd give you a feeling for what it was. Yeah. What was it like when you did come on to the park for your debut? Because you've discussed all of those moments of being a Celtic fan and travelling all over. So, but as I, it...
0: Well, as I said to you right, I wasn't nervous because... I'd been to Celtic Park since I was four. I knew about the atmosphere. I knew what to expect. And I wanted to go in there and show that I could play. So I'm not being big-headed. There was no nerves whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to go out there. I wanted to play. I wanted to be a Celtic player.
1: Yeah. Obviously, you come off the bench, as you mentioned. We draw the game 2 each. And you you had that that chance or or that cross or whatever we're going to call it, uh, that potentially won the game. But obviously impressed because from there on out for the rest of the season, you were a, a mainstay in the team, and I think there were some other some other big moments. We'll get to the Rangers game shortly, but um, there were some other big moments during that time as well. Um, reading about a very impressive performance, what was it away? I've just got it here. It was a da, 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 a five-two victory St-Mir-in. over St. Mirren. Yeah, that was really impressive. And then you got your first goal against Morton Morten. as well. So, just talk us through some of, some of those moments before the the Rangers game. The well. After a Partick Thistle game, it
0: got worse. Actually, we played Hibs away, and I come on and saw we beat one nothing. Right. And I thought, my God, what a start to my Celtic career. But then the St. Mirren game was the one. I we won five two. I was involved in four of the goals. Uh, it was a great game. Uh, then my goal at Morton.
1: Then my screamer against
0: Rangers for <laughs> four yards. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Would well, you know what, right? I mean, we'll, we'll get to the we'll get to the Rangers game because um, we win this game two one at Celtic Park. And you scored after fifty seconds. Eighty-six, 60, 86 right. seconds to be exact, right? Okay. Um, so no, I was not born at this point. So I've had to do a bit of research, on on all of these games, and, and this time, and then I s I you know, I read that you'd scored this goal. So I thought, right, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up and. To be honest, I was expecting. I was expecting something a bit, <laughs> something a little bit more of a scored against them. Exactly. I know, exactly. I know. Um, <laughs> what you want? I know. So for, for those that those that didn't, those that maybe haven't seen it, like like myself, prior to, to this, uh, talk us through the the moment. Talk us through the goal and, and that kind of occasion against Rangers.
0: Well, again, going back to the injuries, I played up front that day with Tom McAdam, who was predominantly a centre half. But David Proven was out, George McCluskey was out, Charlie was out, Frank was out. So we were down to bare bones. But the game kicked off. I remember I was getting a throw in I think Tommy threw it to Matt Reed It went across the pitch. Tommy played a lovely pass wide to Dom Sullivan, who played it into the box. Tam McCadden, which looks as if he was going to tap it in the net, missed it. And it came to the back post. Jim Stewart was the goalkeeper and he parried it. And it just came to my right and. The ball never hit the net, it just bobbled over a line. <laughs> but I was away at the jungle before it even hit, went over a line. Uh, incredible. Oh, I
2: know. 2-1. I mean, to score, I always think to, score, to <laughs> score for Celtic and then be able to run to the jungle anyway, but then to score in the Derby game and you run into the jungle well, you just know what it, what it means to everybody as well. Uh, uh, and that was great. We, we, we went
0: 2-0 t- t- up. Tom McAdam scored by a header and Derek Johnston got the goal back from him with 15 minutes to go. Uh, David Cooper played particularly well for Rangers that day, uh, but we got the victory and it set us on our way. Yeah. It just it, then it was just us and Aberdeen for the title.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that because we won the league that year. Aberdeen were second, so you know nowadays it's pretty much between Celtic and Rangers. Rangers usually finishing second in the table um, with ourselves finishing top, but you know back then. The, the league in Scotland you had Aberdeen you had Dundee United you had you know the season in eighty six we won it it was Hearts that were title challengers as well how you know Paul from a, as a fan's point of view how was it kind of the standard of Scottish football back then
2: I always remember that Celtic Aberdeen was the big game I mean obviously you know the you had the Celtic Rangers game you know in itself but the big game in terms of who who was going to win things it was it was Celtic Aberdeen and they had a really good team they would come down to, to Celtic Park and give us a, a really good game. They were a hard team as well. Yep. You know, really physical teams. Strachan was great for them, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, it was, that was the big game. But then, you, you know, as you said, you did United as well that were coming into the four as well in the early 80s So, it was really, really competitive and it wasn't necessarily just what, the, you know, the big two, the, the two Glasgow teams.
1: Yeah. So, with that 1982 league title victory then. Can kind of paint the paint the scene for us because we talked about you coming in, we've talked about the, the Derby win against Rangers and which much you scored in. But was it a kind of neck and neck title between ourselves and Aberdeen?
0: Well I don't know if you'll remember Paul. It, it went to the last game of the season. <laughs> right. This is true. We had to beat St Mirren, and Aberdeen had to beat Rangers by four clear goals.
2: Uh, they were 4-0 up at half time, weren't they?
0: Well, <laughs> no, really? we were struggling a wee bit. <laughs> nil nil, Frank, Frank eh, missed a chance for St. Myrne. I think he missed it intensely, but anyway. <laughs> it was nil-nil at half time, and Big Belly's trying to keep us calm. And who comes hobbling into the dressing room? Frank McGarvey got dressed on him in his crutches. Aberdeen are four-nothing up. Huh? <laughs> big Billy slammed him up against the <laughs> wall. Get out of the <laughs> dressing room. So we knew. We were nil-nil. Aberdeen were beating Rangers 4-0 So we knew And you could feel it in the crowd uh, Went on to win 3-0 Tommy done a couple of amazing little dribbles Put George McCluskey in twice Tom McAdam header 3-0 Won the title It's a shame but the Member of fans come running on mm-hmm. And we get presented with the trophy In front of the stand We wanted to do a lap on and yeah, the Police hell, wouldn't okay. let us
1: Yeah, did But I've still
0: got that wee medal it Takes pride of place on her
1: Did you feel the nerves then at half time?
0: Yeah especially when we knew Aberdeen were winning 4-0 And we were 0 mm-hmm you know
1: yeah so talk us through because that Aberdeen was that the Sir Alex Ferguson Aberdeen team then yes back in, yeah, back yeah. In Wally England. Miller Alex McLeish, Gordon Strachan Dougie Rugby Rugby yeah and did they go on to win the European title the following season yes following season. Cup Winners yeah, Cup yeah, yeah. right okay so this was a really really strong Aberdeen team oh without a doubt yeah. so when with, with that title were we were we always ahead in the league was it kind of chop and change between ourselves and Aberdeen during that time
0: no when I, when I I'm not saying because I come into the side we were, I think we were second to Aberdeen right Aberdeen were leading the, the title race, yeah, and we just went on this incredible run. Aberdeen had a couple of weeks starters, I think they drew one, one with Morton. Uh, I bet it was, at one stage it looks as if it was going to be Aberdeen's title.
1: What was it like then for, your, for yourself? You know, you think maybe only six months prior to that you hadn't even made your debut for Celtic. Then all of a sudden you come into the team, you've scored in a derby, and you're now a league winner. Were you was it a real kind of pinch yourself moment? Incredible, but again, Ryan,
0: without being big
1: headed or overconfident,
0: I was a Celtic supporter. I knew what it was like to be a Celtic supporter and what Celtic meant to the fans. And I'm not saying I took it in my stride, but I expected to win things with Celtic. Yeah, because that's what Celtic done.
1: Yeah. Paul, have you got any memories of that kind of '82 and the early '80s Celtic teams?
2: Well, I remember. Well, I remember that goal. Uh, from the, the Derby game. <laughs> I, I mean, every every goal in the Derby game is brilliant anyway, yeah. but I, I just always remember, as I said, l- those games against Aberdeen. Doug Rugby, I always remember he, be- and again, I think it was absolutely deliberate, before the game, he'd come over and he'd stand in front of the jungle and he'd do his stretching, uh, looking away <laughs> towards the main stand just to try and rile the crowd. And they were very... Alec Ferguson had obviously realised that one of the problems for Aberdeen in the past was they, they, they seemed to get intimidated when they came to Glasgow and he did away with that. So they they came down and they were really aggressive. But they had a lot of good players as well. Those games were always brilliant. And if we won, you just knew we had to play well. Well, in that running,
0: uh, Paul, one of my best games for Celtic was a defeat. We could beat one nothing with Aberdeen. And Sir Alex Ferguson paid me the highest compliment ever. I was up against Big Doug Rugby and he took him off after 60 minutes. I roasted him. But we could beat 1-0. Stuart Kennedy ah, played a cross fluking, in, big pack, he missed or? it. George McCluskey missed a penalty. So that gave them the impetus. They, were, they beat us 1-0 at Celtic Park. We were yeah. about, I don't know, about eight nine games to go.
1: Yeah, Is that title then, is that the, the highlight of your Celtic career?
0: Aye. I, I mean, scoring against... I always prided myself on how I played. I didn't play well against Rangers, uh, but I scored the goal. And to have that wee medal, you know, oh, it's a proper... Yeah. No, the big cinch, wasn't it? The yeah. <laughs> proper wee medal, the Scottish Football Association, in a wee case. It's
1: yeah. Yeah. What, a, what an incredible, what an incredible time. Um, I mean, for your own, for yourself, Danny, your own Celtic career, is it towards the end of 1983 that you left the club to, to go to Wolves? So after that season, right, Davy Hay came in yep. as manager. Uh, Billy McNeil left the club. So just talk us through... In the next couple of seasons for yourself then at Celtic and then the departures to go to Wolves? Well, the, the, the next season
0: after the season, I came in and scored the goals. Frank gets his fitness back. George gets his fitness back. Charlie gets his fitness back. So I didn't get as many games as I'd hoped. But I was still in and out the squad, in and out the team. Uh, then close season, Big Billy went to Man City, didn't he? Yeah. And David Hay came in. Uh, I'll never have say a bad word against Davy. He was straight with me from day one. He said I wasn't his type of player. He was going to bring in strikers. He brought in two. Brian mm-hmm. McClare, who I can put my hands up to. Chalky was a better player than me. He brought in Jim Melrose. I thought he was a better player than Jim Melrose. But Davy got me a move to Wolves uh, and got me a few quid out of the move. Mm-hmm. Davy was straight with me. I didn't agree with him. I wish I'd have stayed longer at Celtic, but when I was playing the reserves under Davy, you know, I spoke to Tommy Burns, Danny McGrain, phoned Charlie when he was at Arsenal. They said, y- "You need to go and play." Coming back and playing against the, for the reserves, you know, it was it was hard going. Yeah. After having that taste of playing against fifty, sixty thousand, yeah. so I went to Wolves and enjoyed it down there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the names we've already spoken about. Some of the names that you've you played alongside at Celtic, you you worked alongside as well. And I would just like to have another kind of opportunity just to go through some of those names again and maybe just see what comes to your mind, Danny. And I think probably the, the place to start is we've mentioned Billy McNeil, who was your manager during that 1982 title run. I mean, what a what a figure for this football club. But to have him as your manager, what was that like?
0: Unbelievable, Ryan. I'll tell you why. Uh, every time he walked through the dressing room door or after I, after I stopped playing with Celtic, meeting him in Glasgow, all I could remember was that standing with that big cup, that's all I could visualise as he walked through the dressing room door, standing with that big cup in Lisbon. Met him in Glasgow one day and I'm looking at him, how you doing boss, he wasn't my boss anymore? I could just visualise him with that big cup. Mm. But him and John Clark, and not a lot of people know, the players do, but him and John Clark were a great partnership. You know, Billy, would do this and that and that, and John, would pull you aside and have a couple of wee coaching points in your ear. You know, he once said to me, if we'd you in a unit team, we'd you beat 7-6 every week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that. So,
0: Dan McGregor's like, think about it. You're okay on the ball, but off the ball, you maybe need to be doing a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I've never had the, the pleasure of, of meeting Bill Um again, another, another person that sadly is, is no longer with us. But, Paul, I, I imagine you did get the chance to meet him on plenty of occasions. But I have this image that if I did ever see him, he would feel like he's like nine foot tall.
2: Well, I remember I was lucky enough to beat his last the last game he played for Celtic, the seventy five cup final against Airdrie. Carried him off. I was yeah, important. Um and obviously started watching his teams uh when he was a Celtic manager. The first time I ever interviewed him, <laughs> I'd actually done a piece before I came to Celtic and he had played before he joined Celtic, he'd played for I think it was a ladies' high against Holyrood, the Scottish Shield, and the my dad had played, was playing for Holyrood and he was the captain of Holyrood and the game had been a draw and the, the replay was to be played, it wasn't to be played at Hamden and both clubs protested, they said that the pitch wasn't good enough for that standard, so the both teams were suspended and so I was doing a wee piece just because was obviously my dad's claim to fame and the, the two of them were pictured in the paper and stuff and I remember just going to speak to Billy and his pub in the south side and he was just, it was just really, it was just, it was brilliant talking to him and he was just so personable but kind of like, like what Danny was saying That he, No matter when you met him You just Couldn't get it out of your head You were just You were in the presence of greatness that Celtic greatness great. But Like all the Lisbon Lions There was a humility about them They were just like really They were just ordinary guys But had done something extraordinary That you were just thinking Wow
1: Yeah Yeah No incredible Incredible um, Just a few other names Kind of wanted to To go through as well um, We've spoken About Danny McGrain, But um, Tommy Burns Um Someone you played with the Kilmarnock as well, is that right?
0: Tommy took me from Airdrie to Kilmarnock. Tommy was the player manager and he took me. I can remember going way back to when we were on the ground staff and you'd be cleaning the boots and Tommy would come in and say, how did you go at the weekend? We saw we beat St Man, whatever, it was 5-2. Right, Okay, what did you do well? What, did, what wasn't he so well? Even back then when you were 16, 17, how he how'd you think about the game? How old was he been? Tommy would have been in his mid-20s. Yeah. Uh, but he had you thinking about the game away back there, me, Willie McStay, Charlie Nicholas on the ground staff. And he'd be saying to you, But how did you play well? What did you do that made you played well? Just an incredible man, a funny, funny man, as Paul will tell you. Uh, but just a Celtic legend, you know. Yeah, yeah you know, and and a, a very, very graceful and clever footballer as well. Yeah. But I had a temper like you wouldn't believe. <laughs>
1: Did you see it go? Yes, a few times. <laughs> on <Yes>. you? Aye. <laughs> Anything you can share? Well, <laughs> that's the real crux of it.
0: I'll, I'll tell you a story at come on actually, and Tommy won't mind me saying it. Tommy took us to the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, where we played, we drew against Rangers. So Tommy done the old Celtic thing, he took us down to Seamill, and we done the two, three nights before the game on the Saturday. So we're sitting at a pre-match meal, and I'm sitting next to Alan McInally. I grumble, who was just 100ml an Anyway, so the wee girl came around with her paper and her pen taking her orders, beans and toast, fish, whatever it was. And she got to Tommy, and Tommy says, So I can't eat, pal, I'm too nervous. And Big Mac and pipes up, Too nervous, boss. So I played in the semi final European Cup for Bayern, Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> and I had lasagna and chips for my pre- So I burst out laughing Tommy's face was He was bailing So I burst out laughing <laughs> uh, And then when he announces the squad I wasn't even on the bench <laughs> So I think it was a wee reminder Yeah No funny
1: Wow okay Okay That must have hit home as well Not being Definitely Because
0: yeah. I'd been on the bench I'd been in the, the 13 For a few weeks And he took me out the squad Against Rangers I was i was gutted But wow. I think that was part of the reason Yeah Think you're funny
1: <laughs> I mean, it's incredible just the two names we've mentioned there and Billy McNeil and, and Tommy Burns that, you know, you've kind of got to see both sides of them as a as a player and, and a manager as well um, and it's, you know Tommy Burns, I think everybody talks about these amazing stories that they've got of him and his personality and things it's interesting to see that other side of Tommy Burns Oh, definitely, as well. Tommy
0: was the funniest, nicest guy he'd meet,
1: but get on the wrong side of him he, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't miss you Yeah, I mean, the thing is that there's I've got a, like a list of names in front of me. You could probably there's so many players from from that era in the 1980s. I mean, we spoke about it earlier. It's just a list of legends that played for the club back then, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, we said already about Danny and Tommy was like a hero to everybody because he kind of embodied everything for us growing up. Embodied everything that you wanted a Celtic player to be and then also I think at that time in West of Scotland if you were like a young Catholic boy growing up again he embodied everything that you wanted for somebody who was happy to profess their faith as well Chat, you know Danny's mentioned Charlie Nicholas a, a couple of times I-, I, rem- I always remember he'd just been the most naturally gifted player I think I'd ever, without I'd ever seen without a doubt when, you know when I was growing up obviously I was maybe saw the tail end of of Jinky and some of the lines but for the, in the 80s and then him and, and Paul McStay came through as well were just like wow these guys yeah. are amazing
1: I mean let, let's discuss actually Charlie Nicholas because I think for a generation probably like myself we see him now for the work that he's been doing on TV and you don't really get that association as much of what he was as a player and the quality he had obviously was it Celtic then moved to Arsenal as well. I think it's someone you were quite close to as well, Charlie. My best
0: pal, aye. Yeah. Charlie Charlie took me under his wing. Yeah. don't know if that was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, what what a player, as Paul say. you know, the amount of times he would f- faint to go outside, nutmeg, chip the goalkeeper. Everything he'd done looked so simple and natural. no because was my pal, he was the most skillful player i ever played with. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, people in training try to kick him and he'd be nutmegging them and running by them, having a wee laugh because he was a...
2: I think that's the best players, because again, when you watch Paul McStay, and again, I think maybe for this, the generation that they'll hear the name, but Hmm. to have watched him, it was just so graceful, but it was like, there was times where it just looked effortless for him. Definitely. But actually, you would know, obviously, much better than us, how much effort it did take to to make it look that easy.
0: Aye, he was just so talented, because Charlie wasn't the quickest in the world, he was quick over five yards. But he couldn't really run away from them, so he would do his wee thing where he'd faint, roll it through their legs, next thing it's in the top corner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Either bend, it didn't, didn't he blast a lot? It was either a wee bend in it or a chip, you know?
1: Yeah. As, as you mentioned, Paul, I think that's, that probably is fair that I think for like my generation, for people that are younger maybe even just a little bit older, that you, do, you hear the names and you, you see clips of these players, but you don't really get the true essence of what they were like as a player. But any I speak to, you know, yourself or, you know, people that watch them or yourself, Danny, who got to play with these players, who got to to watch these players, the one thing I always hear from people is that, you know, you take up a point say you probably could have put him in any team in the world. Easy.
2: Well, funny, I was talking to, I can't remember who I was talking to recently. It was a, a former player and we were, we were reflecting, you know, that idea of could players from, another generation so even from when from you play Danny could they play in the modern game and I think it's the wrong question because you know you look at the skill of these players in and, and some of the mud patches that the playing pitches, on. now it's like playing on a carpet so it's actually a case of could the players now could they play back then yeah.
0: we, we, we wouldn't have the same fitness I mean we, we would play a Saturday a Saturday a Saturday a Saturday maybe a cup game on a Wednesday I mean the guys nowadays they're playing maybe three games a week so they've got to be fit and look after themselves and that but definitely if you in terms of technique and ability, yeah, we could we could, we could play there, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you would get all the the benefits now of all the sports science and the nutrition and things, but then yeah. at the same time if that wasn't place you might not have made your debut when you did because someone would have been in the air <laughs> saying, He's just played this morning, he can't be playing again for another five days. Exactly. <laughs> um Danny, I think it's a a good place to to leave it will just be for just for you to kind of you know, close off your, your Celtic career, just to think back of, we've talked about so many of the memories that you've got, the players you've played with, your own ones as well, but just talk to us again about that pride that you must have when you have that opportunity to look back and, you know, you have pulled on the hoops and you've, you've scored for Celtic and you've won titles.
0: Just a bit like Tommy used to say, I was a supporter who played for the team, you know, and I wish I'd have played longer at Celtic, but I had to go and further my career. Uh but I'm here whenever I can. Mm-hmm. If I'm no here, I'm watching it uh, on Celtic TV. You know, just a fan who played for the club and loved it, loved every it minute. What,
2: what age when you you know you talked about you know you're watching the games with your son now? What age did he become aware that his dad That's had played for Celtic?
0: It's funny he'll come in for school. His name's Matt, and he'll say, "Oh, Dad, see, see my pals." So there, there'll be a supply teacher in, and he'll start the lesson, and one of the boys will say, "Who'd you support, sir?" Sports Celtic Matt's dad played for Celtic, and the lessons all about Celtic, so you see, it's um, embarrassing. <laughs> he gets a wee bit embarrassed, but, but I'd that... obviously, don't want to do any real school work. <laughs> <laughs> so, my ladies, I'm a lady saying, Cumber, now the supply teachers are teaching them about Celtic.
1: It's a, Celtic it's a brilliant <laughs> idea, isn't it? Just history lessons all day, every day. And you must have got to, Did you get to this stage when you're stuck going, here's, here's some of the videos, have a have a look at these? <laughs> some of them are beatamax. <laughs> <laughs> that size, I think it must be great for
2: him. You know that the idea You know, has oh. like has dad. You know, not just as we've spoken about. It's not just that you've played, but you know you made an impact. You've won things. You've scored in big games and played alongside some great players as well.
0: Ah, he's he's a he's a he's a quiet lad. He doesn't he brag about. His dad played for Celtic. In fact, he tries to keep it quiet. Right. But once he gets out, you know, he's like, Oh dad <laughs> Here we go. But I think it works a treating school. Yeah. Yeah. When they've got that forty five minute lesson. <laughs> well, exactly, Celtic.
1: Uh, I know I know exactly what that's like when you're at that age and you're trying to find anything to do other than the work and you're just trying yeah. to distract the teacher. So uh no. Um but that's perfect, Danny. It's great to great to have you in. Um amazing to go back over some of those memories honestly. I feel like I could just sit and listen to the, these stories all day about the the players back then the team the trophies all these different things this is kind of my little school of Celtic history right here so um, thank you so much for joining us I hope you enjoyed coming in and back over loved it thanks for having me yeah. and, uh, and Paul thank you very much for, for joining us as well and hopefully you enjoyed going back down memory lane as well yourself there uh, oh,
2: always a pleasure I, as I say I'm I, I'm lucky I
1: think to have
2: like seen people like Danny playing and then also I think to be able to watch from the jungle as, as these games unfold as well, which I think is a, a real privilege.
1: Yeah, perfect. Well, we've got a big weekend of Celtic action to look forward to. We'll be back again with our next podcast next Tuesday as we look ahead to the match against Atletico Madrid in Madrid. But. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you both very much for for joining. And do remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And also make sure you leave us a review as well. Um, but thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend of Celtic action. Hail, hail, and we'll see you again next week.